Good morning, Soul City Church. How you doing today? Oh, yes, 1030. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. For those of you who are here in this space or in overflow space right now, or maybe you're actually uh, watching online. We got folks literally all over the world that stream this online. I also want to say hi, mom, to my mom who watches this. Uh, you're listening to the podcast. I'm so glad you carved out time to be uh, present with God and to open your life up to a relationship with Him and to growing and developing that relationship with Him. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a teaching series called Present Tense, where we've been looking at how life happens to us in this now moment. We've been looking at some of the fear and the anxiety that can come in the present tense. We've been looking at how to handle grief and loss when it hits us in the present tense. And today we're going to be looking at uh, how you can make great decisions in the present tense. How do you decide greatly in your life? Before we get to the heart of the message, we're going to do something that we regularly do here. In fact, we do it every week. It's a part of our worship and our uh, response and relationship with God is we're going to give back to God. We're going to give of our resources to God because we believe a transformational shift has happened for us, that all that we have is actually a gift from a good and loving God. And this is just one of the many ways that we say thank you to Him. And it's a part of our practice, our rhythm when we gather together. Let me just say a word before our amazing volunteers come uh, to receive our offering to God today. This is what's really fun. Back at the beginning of the year, we gave a little challenge. We said, hey, look, for anyone, for whatever reason, who's never gotten in the game of giving faithfully or consistently to God, would you be willing to take a 90-day giving challenge, give to God for 90 days? And we say at the end, if God, you haven't seen God shape or change or move your life, then you can stop. I mean, that's really between you and him. But would you at least try it? And it's so amazing to see the response from that. In fact, all told, from the beginning of the year till this last week, uh, we have had 209 people in our church give for the very first time at Soul City Church. You need to clap for that because that's folks who, some of whom have never trusted God with their stuff before ever in their life. For some, it's the first time at this church trusting God with their stuff. That's a big deal. Here's what's also amazing about that 209 folks who gave for the very first time so far in 2018. 81% of them did it online. Isn't that awesome? 81% gave online. I mean, think about it. You like run the rest of your life online. You give Netflix money every month online. You don't even think about it. Your cell phone bill, you don't even think about it. So giving online is a way that kind of works with the rhythm of our life. And it helps you stay consistent. It helps you uh, actually grow your giving. Gene and I have been doing that since before we ever opened doors here, giving online to God at this church. One of the best ways for you to stay consistent in that. So in a moment, our volunteer is going to come forward. You can actually do that. You can sign up right now while I'm talking to become a giver, to give back to God. You can do that online or you can actually text in to give. That's a way to kind of like go in the, the baby pool of giving online. You can kind of like get started there. If you want to text in to give, that's a cool way to do it. Or if you love going old school, you can put it in the bucket. Maybe that's the way that you love to give. You came ready to do that. You can actually give in the bucket. So I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward right now to receive this week's offering. Thank you to every single one of you who trust God with your resources. And if you haven't gotten in the game of giving, I would encourage you to give it a shot to see what God might do when you trust him with what he's entrusted to you. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is how we make decisions in real time, in the present tense. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever gotten uh, totally stuck trying to make a decision before? Like shut down, like I don't know what to do. I may be stuck here for life unless someone intercedes and makes this decision 
for me. You ever felt that way before where you're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It happened to me this last week in a pretty significant and meaningful area of uh, my life. And I was really concerned for how I would move forward with the rest of my life. Uh, we were going over to a friend's house. They just moved into a new house and they'd had a baby within this last year. So we wanted to get them a little gift for the baby. And Jeannie said, just go get the baby a gift. I don't think she realized how much fear and anxiety that caused me to feel in that moment. Just go get the baby a gift. We haven't had babies for years in our house. I don't know what babies are into these days. A passy? I don't, what's an appropriate gift to give to a baby? So I went to get a little store and I was going to get, I decided, you know what? I'll get a onesie. That's a safe bet. I'd wear a onesie if I could. So let's just like get the kid a onesie. And then I go to the little store and there's multiple options of onesies, all kinds of different colors and designs. And I was like, I was starting to feel the pressure. And I'm like, oh, I want to get him like a cool like Chicago onesie. I'm like, do you have any Chicago onesies? Like, yeah. And then they took me to a whole other section of just the Chicago onesies. And they're all kinds of different colors. And they had a baby girl named Anna. So I'm like, okay, do I get her pink? Or is that like too lame? We're going to have to play to like gender norms. I can get her a blue onesie if I want. I don't know though. Maybe she doesn't look good in blue. And so I'm stressing out about, it's five, six minutes at this point of getting a onesie. I finally decided to get a white onesie, but then I had to decide what size do you get the onesie in? Because, you know, do I get her like the six to 12 months? That means she could wear it now. She could wear it this weekend. Or do I invest in her future and get her the 12 to 18 month? (laughs) They won't feel the initial reward of the onesie today, but one day they'll thank me for thinking ahead of them. I stood in that store for about seven or eight minutes trying to figure out what onesie to get. This is why Jeannie doesn't give me important tasks in our life, right? You ever felt that way? And that's just a small little thing. You ever had one of those moments where you just felt like, "I I am stuck. I do not know what to do. Well, that's actually a new phenomenon in our culture that's happened over the last 20 or 30 years. In fact, Barry Schwartz is a psychologist who studied uh, the uh, effect of options on our life. And what he's written about and what he's discovered is something he calls the paradox of choice that we have a paradox of choice, that we live in a time where we've never had greater access to more information and therefore more options. And at the same time, we've never experienced a greater sense of anxiety or fear or paralysis or indecision and even disappointment with our decisions than ever before. Greater access to options equals greater anxiety about them. You ever felt that before? And so what we want to talk about is how do you do that? What do you do? And here's something to think about, frame our conversation today. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Like, what do you do when you get stuck shopping for a onesie? What do you do other than get a gift receipt? What do you do when you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to go, when you don't know which decision to make? And I'm talking about the big decisions of life and even the sometimes seemingly small insignificant decisions. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Because this is what life is. Life is a series of choices. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? Do I say yes? Do I say no? Do I move here? Do I go there? This is life. In fact, this is why Jean-Paul Sartre said that life really is, when you boil it all down, your choices. We are our choices, is what he said. You can talk to me all day about your intentions. You can talk to me all day about your desires. You can talk to me all day about your dreams. And they're wonderful. They're inspiring. But at the end of the day, you are your choices. That's the story of your life. And what experts have found over the course of the average life is that you will make some, in one way or another, around 2 million significant choices or decisions in your life. No pressure there. 
million significant decisions or choices in your life. And they can be big. They can go all across the spectrum from should we move to the suburbs or should we stay in the city? Should I buy this condo or should I rent? Big kind of decisions to should I take the expressway or should I take back roads? Should I call them or should I text them? Just text them. But the point is we have around 2 million decisions in the course of a lifetime that you have to make. And at the end of the day, you are your choices. That will tell the story of your life, whether or not you choose to trust God or not, whether you choose to live by faith or by fear, whether you choose to grow or to coast. Every day, every one of us faces decisions, choices, and we need to know what to do when we don't know what to do. Because just to add a little bit more to it, your choices can actually only be made in the present tense. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. You only get this now moment to make your decisions. You can't go back in the past and make decisions as much as you would like to, as much as I would like to. There are several decisions I would like to go back and have a redo about, but you can't do that. You know that you can't make decisions in the past. They've already happened. You already made those decisions, good or bad or otherwise. I mean, think about it. You've, maybe you've been in a fight or an argument with someone and they got the upper hand. They won the argument. And then like three days later, you thought of that comeback. You can't go back and call them up and be like, okay, remember what we were talking about the other day? well, your shirt looks like garbage. And then like, hang up. Like you, it's not the same. It doesn't work. You can't go back and make decisions in the past. And you can't make decisions out in the future. You can't do that. You can, again, have intentions. You can set your life up to make great decisions in the future, but you can't make a decision in the future. You can only make a decision in now, in this present tense moment. And what God longs for you to do, his heart and his desire for you is to be able to make great decisions that honor and bless him, that bless others around you, and ultimately bless you, that God actually wants you to thrive by inviting and involving him in to the some two million decisions that you will make over the course of your lifetime. How do we do that when we don't know what to do? Well, what I want you to do is to grab a Bible. First decision you're going to make since you've been here right now, grab a Bible and actually open to Proverbs chapter four. If you have a Bible with you and you brought it, that's awesome. We'll make sure you get extra credit at the end. If you have it on your phone, you can go there. But if you don't have one, grab a Soul City Bible under your seat. You should see one there. And you can actually turn to page 513 in the Soul City Bible. That will get you to Proverbs chapter four. We're going to talk about what do you do when you don't know what to do. How do you invite and involve God into your everyday daily decisions. Now, let me give you some context around the book of Proverbs. Uh, for the last couple of years, uh, Elijah and I have been meeting on Friday mornings to read through the Bible together. And right now we're actually reading through the book of Proverbs together. We gather for donuts and we read the Bible and we also talk about Star Wars and um, Avengers Infinity War and uh, Fortnite, but we also sometimes read the Bible. And right now we're reading through the book of Proverbs. And what we found is we're about halfway through it right now is there is a consistent theme of the book of Proverbs that maybe you know, maybe not, is that this book is all about wisdom. And in fact, if you were to boil the whole book of Proverbs down, you could boil it down into two words, get wisdom. You can sum the whole book of Proverbs up by this, get wisdom. Whatever you can do, get wisdom. Bible tells us that Solomon was actually the wisest person to ever live, wisest leader to ever lead. When he was a young man, God said to Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, God said to Solomon, what do you want? I'll give you anything. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for more Instagram followers. But instead, what he actually asked for was 
wisdom. God, give me wisdom because I know if I have wisdom, that will guide, guard, and direct every other decision in my life. And God gave him wisdom. But just like you and me, he was a mixed bag. Not every area of his life modeled wisdom. In fact, the Bible also tells us about Solomon that he had 700 wives. Let me say that again. (laughs) He had 700 wives. And the Bible also tells us he had, on top of that, 300 side chicks as well. Uh, Yep, I said it in church. You heard me say it. It's in the Bible. Read your Bibles. That is a lot to manage. Listen, I'm married to an amazing woman. I love my wife, Jeannie. I love her. My plate is full with one, okay? I got all I can handle with one. He had a thousand women in his life. So not every area of his life was wise. In fact, ultimately, that's what led to his demise. But that's another story for another day. What God gave Solomon was wisdom. Whether he applied it to every area of his life was ultimately up to him. But he gave us this great gift in this book of Proverbs. And again and again and again, what we see is when we don't know what to do, the answer is pretty clear. Get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. Let's look at Proverbs chapter four. We'll start in verse five. It says this, and look at it right off the bat. Look what it says in verse five. Get wisdom. <laughs> there it is. Get wisdom, get understanding. And he's speaking now, the, the, the book of Proverbs is like a, a letter or lessons to his son. And so speaking to his son, he says to him, don't forget my words or turn away from them. Like, remember what I'm teaching you right now. Verse six, do not forsake wisdom. Don't forget wisdom. Don't leave wisdom on the side. She will protect you. Now, he refers to wisdom lots of times like a woman or someone that you would have a relationship with. In his case, it was a woman that you would have a relationship with. And so he refers to her as a woman. And so he says, look, if you love her, like, don't forsake her. She'll protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And then he says it again and again and again. Verse seven, the beginning of wisdom is this. If you want to know where to start to get wisdom, this is what you do. Get wisdom. I mean, this is really helpful. (laughs) And applicable wisdom here. So this is the wisest guy in the world, but he keeps saying it over and over and over and over again. And this is important. Though it may cost you all you have, get understanding, get wisdom. Now, this is what's so fascinating about the wisdom of God, the gift of God, is it ultimately is always free. It's free. The wis- God's wisdom, his eternal, endless supply of wisdom is free for you. But that doesn't mean that it won't cost you something. What it may cost you to listen for, look for, and then ultimately obey God's wisdom is it may cost you your pride. It may cost you your plans, or at the very least your preferences. But it's always freely accessible to anyone and everyone, even though it may cost you something you hold dear. Now listen to this, verse 12. Jump down to verse 12, a few more verses down. He says this about wisdom, how it will guard you over the course of your life. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. When wisdom is guiding your path, your steps. Verse 13, hold on to instruction or to wisdom. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your what? It is your life. So this isn't just like an option to add on to your decision-making process. Oh, I wonder what God, let's get God's opinion on this. No, he's saying God's wisdom is your life. You can actually build 
your life on it. And when you do, when you choose God's wisdom, your steps will not be hampered. You literally can run in faith and in freedom in the fullness of who God made you to be because you are running in a path of God's wisdom for your life. You don't have to second guess or look back or wonder about decisions you've made because you're walking in and even running in the will of God, his wisdom for your life. Jump all the way down to verse 20. Again, speaking to his son here, but ultimately to all of us. My son, my sons and daughters, all of us gathered here, all of us watching online, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your what? Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, he says, guard your heart, protect your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, this is really interesting when we're talking about wisdom. He keeps talking about our heart. In our Western world, in our context today, we have made wisdom synonymous with knowledge and confuse the two. Knowledge is important, but it's not the same as wisdom. You know the difference. You can know a lot about something, but not know it. That's what wisdom is. And what Solomon is saying here is that wisdom is not just a thing of the head. It's a thing of the heart. It's the essence. It becomes the essence of who you are. It flows out of your life. It becomes like a all the time, always on GPS for your life, for your soul, for your everyday choices. It's not just about knowing enough facts. It's about actually having a way of wisdom for your life. And then he goes on to say this as he closes out his wisdom manifesto. Jump down to verse 26. He says this, give careful thought, really consider, be wise about the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. That word steadfast means confident and sure and consistent. And then he says this in verse 27, do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. What's he talking about here? He says, when you have wisdom, when you receive God's wisdom, when you decide to actually listen to and walk in the way of God's wisdom, stay on that path. Don't look for shortcuts because life is full of shortcuts. And I know because I've taken a few in my life that I wish I could walk my steps back because I thought, oh, no, 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 God, I get it. Like, I appreciate it. But I think I know better in this you know, like scenario. I think I know what to do better than you do, God. You don't understand the context. He got, the way it works at work is this. I've taken shortcuts in my life that I wish, I wish I could walk back because every single one of the shortcuts that I've taken, not one of them has ever worked out for me the way I thought it would. And that's why Solomon's saying here, choose why. Like when you walk this path, don't turn to the right or to the left, but walk in the way of wisdom. So a little pop quiz here. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What should you get? Get wisdom. wisdom. Get wisdom for your life, ultimately from God. Godly wisdom. Look for it, listen for it, and do what it says. I know this sounds like a little old school word. Obey God. When he says, when you receive wisdom, trust him. Obey him. Submit to him. Walk in his path and your life will not only be protected, it will be blessed. And the lives of those around you will be blessed. And in the process, ultimately, God is blessed. And so what I want to share with you just for the next few moments 
is what I do when I don't know what to do. And there's lots of scenarios in my life where I don't know what to do, either in my own personal life or in our marriage or our family or in leading this church. Like we've never, this is the furthest we've gone in this church. Never been past this point. This is the furthest we've gone. There's lots of things we don't know. I don't know what to do. There's a thing that I do that comes straight out of Proverbs chapter four. I didn't make it up. I didn't come up with it. I literally just stole it from the Bible that you can actually apply to your life and the decisions that you have to make. In fact, maybe you're in the middle of some right now. There's some big decisions you're facing. This might be something you might want to jot down for uh, you. And so this is what I do when I don't know what to do. Now, let me just say a quick word before I get two things. Uh, I'm about to draw. I never draw. And you'll see why in a moment, okay? So I'm asking for grace imagination. I want you to just like imagine that it looks like what I says it, like, say it is, okay? That's the first word. Second word, what I want to walk you through in this process is not about how to make a decision between good and bad things. I want to be really clear. What I'm talking about is how to discern between good and good things. There's a difference. When it comes to should I do this good thing or should I do this bad thing, the answer is don't do the bad thing. We don't, need to, like, we don't need to have a discussion about that. Should I trust God or should I walk away from God? Should I engage in this sin, this habit, this pattern that has continued to lead to destruction in my life that has led me further and further away from God, further and further away from my spouse, further and further away from my kids, further and further away from integrity? We don't need to have a discussion about sin. We don't. At this point in your life and spiritual maturity as you are growing, we don't need to talk about the difference between good and bad. We're talking about the difference between good and good. We're talking about the difference between wise and unwise. Do you understand the context for what we're talking about here? And I don't say that lightly because I know there's a lot of big decisions and a lot of things in our areas in our life where we chose, where I've chosen to go against God. And I'm still in some ways having to pay the price for some of that. And I know you probably are too, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the difference between good and good. And there's a question to ask when you are wanting to get an answer from God, direction from God, when you need to know if it's a yes or a no, when you're trying to figure out if it's here or if it's there, when you're trying to figure out if it's this or if it's that. This is life, right? Two million of these kind of decisions, right? Big and small, all of them. There's a place to start. And the first question to ask is, what has God already said? This is not a flattened butterfly, <laughs> as, though it may seem like it. <laughs> this is a Bible. <laughs> Go with me. <laughs> what has God already said? Very important first question to ask. When you don't know what to do, and all of us get to places where we get stuck, paradox of choice, trying to decide between good and good things. Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I move here? Should I not? Has God already said something about this? Does the Bible have anything to actually say about this? Has God actually already given me wisdom and direction that I can apply to my life in this decision? See, this is why we believe that the Bible is essential, not optional, essential for your transformation. It's essential. You can't do it without it. It's not an option. And so the first question to ask is, has God already said something about this thing that I'm trying to figure out, this decision that I have to make? 
Because God has said and is saying all kinds of things through his word, through the Bible. That's what's so amazing about it. Words that were written thousands and thousands of years ago actually can apply to your immediate present tense moment and decisions that you have to make. In fact, maybe if you've been, uh, would call yourself a Christian for a long time, it may be a verse that you've read a hundred times before, but you read it in this context, in the present tense, in this moment, and it totally speaks differently to you than it ever has before. So a great place to start when you don't know what to do is, what has God already said? So let me give you a few examples. What has God already said? You may be thinking, well, that's great, but like, you know, I'm not needing God to weigh in on my decisions around livestock or where I should pitch my tent. I mean, I don't, I'm, so the Bible has all kinds of stories like that. Like, I have real world decisions. Okay, I got you. So let's take one of those. Um, Let's take you want to buy a car, and, and you want to get a car that is outside of your budget. It's more than you can afford, but man, oh man, does it look good. I mean, it looks really good. And you're trying to make this decision uh, at the worst place possible, at the car lot, at the dealership. This is like shopping when you're hungry. You should not go there being undecided. And so you're there, and you're trying to decide, and you realize, oh man, I could get this option, and I could get that option. Oh, that would be so good. I mean, it's more than I can afford, and it's actually going into more debt than I can manage, but I'm sure I can figure some other stuff out, or I can borrow some stuff to cover for this because this car drives itself. It literally drives itself. It makes me fresh coffee when I walk up to the car, <laughs> pour the coffee. And so you can make a decision, man, it's got, so you may be thinking, well, I don't know, but it's just a, what's the big deal? It's a little more debt. Just add it to the rest. Has God already said anything about that? Well, actually, God actually has said something like that. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, that the borrower is slave to the, anyone lender, that the borrower is slave to the lender. Ouch, that's not light words. But what God is saying here is that's the relationship that you get into with debt. Some debt you can manage, some debt is expected, but lots of times the debt that we go into puts us in bondage to credit card companies or the loan officers or whatever it may be that is well beyond anything we can manage. And here's the deal about that relationship. They don't care about you like you think they do. They're wonderful people. They're just doing their job. They're nice people. They're trying to pay their bills, but they're not trying to help you. They're trying to make money for their company. You understand? That's the relationship that you're getting into bondage with. And so you can ask yourself in real time, does that, do I need to do that? Let me give you another one. Um, we've been going out now for about six months and man, I'm wondering, should we move in together? Should I move into his place? Should she move into my place? Should we move in together? I mean, it, would save us a ton of money and also help us figure out if this relationship's going to work. That too, that too, of course, that too, but you know, let's figure it out. Has God already said anything about that? You can have your list of pros and cons and why it all makes sense, and, but if you were to really actually ask yourself, has God already said something about this decision? Well, in fact, God has. Hebrews 13.4 says that the marriage, sh marriage should be honored by all, should be held at a high standard by all, and in fact, that the marriage bed should be kept pure. In other words, marriage is for marriage. And so then I have to ask myself, am I willing to obey that? Am I willing to trust that God's not trying to keep me from what I want, but actually give me more than I even thought was in store for me? That he has something better for me? Am I really willing to ask if God's already said something about that? See, this is where we start. We start with, has God already said something about this? 
to look to the Bible to say, God, what is it that you have? Is there any wisdom that you have to guide and guard my life as I try and make this decision in my life? This is why King David said in Psalm 119 that God's word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I don't know what to do, there is already so much endless eternal wisdom available to me in this book if I'm willing to listen to it and to trust it and to obey. So when you don't know what to do, that is the first place to start. But sometimes, sometimes you don't always get your answer from there. There's maybe not a verse about the unique situation that you are facing. And so then you have another question that you can ask. If I've already asked, what has God already said about this? Then what I ask is, what is God saying in this, okay, this is, <laughs> this is God. <laughs> Please don't tell him I drew him like this. <laughs> and this is him talking. You got it? What has God said? And then in this moment right now, what is God saying to me? Maybe it wasn't clear to me. Maybe there's not like wisdom that I can already access from the Bible to help me make this decision. So what is God saying to me now in this moment. And sometimes God speaks in a whisper. You got to really listen. You got to listen maybe for longer than you want or thought. But if you really want God's wisdom to guide and guard your life, you'll listen for what God is saying. Sometimes it comes like a two by four across your head. That's how God likes to get my attention. And it'll be so obviously clear. Oh God, this is okay. You are trying to protect me. Or God, you are trying to lead me into a new season. Okay, God, I'm, I'm hearing from you in real time as you are speaking to me. This is why we make such a big deal about having a relationship with God. That it's not just about having principles that you can apply to your life, as important as these principles are. It's about having a dynamic, real relationship with God, a God who knows you, who loves you, who cares about you, and actually wants you to thrive in this life. And when you're in relationship with him, you talk with him. You listen to him. You bring all of your dilemmas, your decisions, direction that you need for your life to him. You share them with him, and then you wait, and you listen for him. You attentively, actively listen to God speaking into your life. And I know this may sound a, a little weird or intimidating that you would actually hear from God, but this actually is nothing could be further from the truth, because all this process is, is prayer. It's what prayer is. When we pray, we're bringing our heart to God, we're talking to Him, and we're listening to Him for the decisions and directions we need to make in our lives. Now, some people can make it weird, okay? I'm telling you it's the most normal thing in the world when you're in a relationship with God. You should expect to talk with God and listen to God. Some people, well, let me be specific, some Christians make it weird. And, and they use language that I'm just like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, and I'm just, you know, and I, I, who am I? I don't know. I don't listen to their prayers. But, you know, anytime someone's like, God told me, God just impressed it on my heart, and God told me, God gave me a clear word, and, I, and I'm like, okay, okay, uh, really, though? I don't know. Okay, I'll listen. So I don't know. I'm not one to judge, but I'm just a little skeptical sometimes when someone comes in that hot with that. And they can make it a little weird and kind of apply it like, well, God told me to all kinds of different things in their life that maybe he did or maybe he didn't, because I heard you talking about that a year ago, but you weren't talking about it with God. Now God is telling you the same thing. Anyway, the point is I was working at... 
a church before we started this church, and I was working with, uh, in the singles ministry, young professional singles, and, uh, and there was a woman on our staff who, there was this guy that really, really liked her, and it was really, really clear. She was single, he was single, and so um, he came to her one night at one of our events. I'll never forget this. I was over here kind of doing something. I overheard the conversation, and he said, hey, I, just, I need to tell you, I just, God has impressed it upon my heart. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. God's called me to be your man. <laughs> Not... Bold move. <laughs> Respect. Okay. Bold move. God's called me to be your man, to date you. And this is what I love about the people I worked there. Without missing a beat, she said, well, clearly God dialed the wrong number. I'm like, oh, that's good. So you can't call back with that. You got to say that in the moment. Some people can make it weird. It's not, it's not weird. It's actually the most normal thing. If it seems a little spiritual to you that you would actually listen to God, that's because it is. That's because that's what this relationship is all about. It's actually what the Holy Spirit does in your life. This is why we're taking the whole next month of May to explore and experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in this church. We're going to talk about what Romans 8, 26, and 27 says, where it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. That means literally the Holy Spirit goes between you and God and can bring the prayers that you don't even know how to pray to God and bring the heart of God to your heart. That happens in real time. That's why it's important to be in a relationship with God so you can have access to the heart of God and the wisdom of God for your life. So the question for you to consider is, do you believe that God actually speaks to you? That it's not just for super spiritual people. It's not just for every other one else, like, oh, it's all for them. That God actually wants to and is, in fact, speaking to you. And are you willing to listen? Are you even willing to wait till you hear from him? When you don't know what to do, one of the best things you can do is start with what God has already said. Start with the Bible. And then if you don't know, if it's still unclear, then you can actually go to what God is saying in this moment. And maybe you will hear from God. It's this or it's that, here or there. And then if you don't know and you, it's still unclear, then one of the best things you can do is go to godly people. This is a Burger King crown as well as people praying. So the question there is to ask yourself is this. What are godly people saying? What has God said? What is God saying? If it's still unclear, what are godly people saying? What are the godly people in my life actually saying about this decision, this direction that I need to make? A question for you to consider when what do you do when you don't know what to do is who do you go to when you don't know what to do? Because all of us do. We all have people that we go to when we don't know what to do. All of us get stuck in the paradox of choice. And so maybe for you, it's your parents. You go back to your parents. I don't know what to do. Can you help me with this decision? Maybe for you, it's a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe for you, it's a longtime, lifetime friend. Maybe it's a small group that you have here at Soul City Church. All great, great sources of wisdom. I would say to you that one of the greatest places you can go is to a circle of godly wisdom. People who actually know God, have a relationship with God, and listen to him, they are going to have access to what he said, to what he's saying, and what they actually may be saying through them 
to you in this moment. And if that seems intimidating to you, like, I don't even know how to do that. How do I get other people to help me? Like, I don't want just their opinions because we've got plenty of those. I don't just kind of want like them to weigh in. I want them to listen to God with me and for me. Here's the great news. If that feels intimidating to you, you're actually already doing it all over your life. That practice and that principle of leaning on and listening to others as they offer you wisdom and direction, you're already super good at because the deal is this. You don't make any major purchases in your life without reading the reviews. All of us do it. I mean, you don't even like buy a 99 cent app without reading the reviews. Like that's part of the Yelp culture that we live in, that we want to get others, complete strangers who we don't know the character or the content of their heart, but we allow them to make major decisions for us in our lives because we trust people that we've never even met. I did it the other day. We needed to get a little firewood for our little outdoor little fire pit that we have. I wanted to start having some fires because it's finally above 50 degrees for at least three days in a row. And so I wanted to get some firewood and I got stuck in a Yelp black hole. I spent 15, 20 minutes reading reviews of firewood vendors in the city of Chicago. Well, this one has a kiln on site. I mean, they can dry the wood right there, but they have North Carolina pines. Those are nice. I got stuck in review hell trying to figure out how to buy just a couple pieces of firewood. So you already actually know how to do this. You listen to complete strangers to give you direction for your life. Why wouldn't you seek out godly people for the decisions that matter most in your life? And that's why we believe in community. That's why we make a big deal about biblical community. That's why we make a big deal about small groups. Because here's the deal. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm smart enough to know this. I need others to help me listen to God. I can't have it all figured out. You can't have it all figured out. But I bet you can get a couple people around you, godly folks, who can listen to God with you and in some cases for you. When you feel so exhausted from trying to make this decision, you feel so stuck in the paradox of choice. There are some people who can listen with you and for you. This is like foundational, non-negotiable for Gene and I in our life, our marriage and how we lead this church. There have been folks in our life and our marriage that we have leaned on for as long as we've been married. Uh, Dick and Sybil Towner were our premarital mentor couple. They are still actively involved in our life. And when we have big decisions, guess whose counsel and wisdom we seek? We go to them. I think of Rex and Andrea Minor. They've known us since we got married as well. We just saw them a couple weeks ago in Colorado, got to have dinner with them. How fun is it that these are folks who helped us when we were getting married and starting a family, and now we're involved in their kids' lives and helping them as they get married and start families. It's, it's ridiculous how God has intertwined our lives, but we still seek their wisdom in our lives. Mark and Jeannie Malnati are part of this church. They're friends of ours who we seek wisdom for our life, our marriage. We say, will you speak in? Will you allow God to speak through? I don't want your opinion. I want you to listen with God and speak into this. It's critical. It's non-negotiable for us. We call it our wisdom well. We have it here at this church. That's what our elders are at this church. They're a wisdom well. Regina and I will say, hey, this is where we you know, sense God's leading us for this next direction, and we just want to bring you in. We want to let you know. Is God, is anything popping up? Is God giving you any word about this that we need to pay attention to? I think of folks like uh, Kelly Skiles, who joined our staff recently, is our executive pastor, wise, godly woman. And Gene and I love to say, Kelly, we want you to be a part of this decision. We're gonna, here's what we're thinking. Speak in. What is God saying to you? Let's listen to God together. I can't tell you how many meetings we've ended where we've said, well, let's listen to God together on that one. Let's walk around in that. That's what we say. Let's walk around in that one for a little bit. Let's let God speak to us together because I just believe there's something better that comes out of godly wisdom when it comes from outside of myself, other people speaking in. 
We have a friend, John Peacock, who's a pastor out in the suburbs, leads Mission Church, a thriving, dynamic church out in the western suburbs. And John's a guy that we have on speed dial, known him for so many years. John, we're stuck in this place in our leadership. We're stuck in this place of the church. Will you help us listen to God in this? Our old pastor, Andy Stanley, just two weeks ago, Jeannie got, we were stuck in a leadership thing. She's like, I'm calling Andy. She picked up the bat phone and called Andy (laughs) and made himself available to us. I just, I'm telling you, like, I'm smart enough to know that I don't have it all figured out. And that I need people and you need people in your life to help you listen to God. This is how you make great and godly decisions when you don't know what to do. In the present tense, you start with what God has already said, and you may get your answer from there if you're willing to listen and to obey. If you're not clear, then you go to what God is saying in this now moment. You listen to God. You see God. You count and depend on the Holy Spirit to speak into this present moment for what God is saying. And if it's still unclear, then you bring a couple godly people around you in your life and invite them into listening to God with you. Listen, I know that all of us have decisions in our life, in our past, that we wish we could do over. I've got my fair share. My hunch is you've got yours. They may be recent. They may go back years. Where you wish, oh man, I wish I could go back and do that one different. I wish I could have a do-over on that decision. But you and I both know that we can't do that. But what we can do is actually shape our future with God by the decisions that you make in the present tense. That these decisions actually matter. Your decisions today, big and small, matter today because they are shaping your future. And in fact, there are decisions that you can make today that can rewrite the story of decisions that you've made in the past. Decisions to trust God today. Decisions to actually receive God's forgiveness today. Receive his healing today. You can actually decide to grow from even regrets that you have in your past so that God writes a new story in your future. But you won't get there by wishing. You won't get there by hoping. You get there by the decisions that you make in real time in the present tense. Listen, your destiny, whatever your story may be, is determined by your decisions. Your destiny, the story that we will tell about your life one day, is determined by the decisions you make. And my hope and heart for you, but more importantly than that, God's hope and heart for you is that you would invite and involve him in the decisions that you make, that you would seek him first and trust that he is not only with you, but for you. And even the bad decisions that we've made or that we make, God can actually work all of those things together for his good in his time when we choose to trust him. So what I want to do is actually give you an opportunity to receive prayer. I want to pray for you. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand if you would right now. And I want to pray for all of us here who maybe have our fair share of bad decisions in our past that we've tried to move on past, but we're still wrestling with, or maybe you're stuck in a bad decision from your past or a big decision that you have to make right now that you're weighing and stressing about right now in this moment. I just want to pray. Can I pray for you right now? And I hope you would open your heart to God. So if you'd open your hands, it's a way that we pray. As we close our eyes, we open our hands to God as a way of of being present to him, of opening our lives up to him. Let me pray for you right now. God, thank you that you were faithful, that you, God, have never been negligent on your side of the bargain. 
your side of the deal. You promised us that you have wisdom for us, endless, eternal wisdom for us. God, you've given it to us through your word. God, you've given it to us through prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, you've given it to us through biblical community. You have given us so many ways to access your wisdom, your will for our lives. And so God, will you help us to trust you, to seek you out, to be patient, to listen, to wait upon you, God. And God, for every decision that we've made in our past, every one that we regret or we wish we could have a do-over, God, I pray that there would be a pouring out of your grace on us, that we would actually decide to receive that right now today, God, that we would accept responsibility and then God, determine in our hearts to make every decision moving forward with you, for you, that God, you've promised us that it's a new day, that you make all things new. And so, God, I pray for everyone who's maybe right now burdened or beat up by old decisions that we really ultimately can't go back and change. But, God, we want to choose to trust you in this present moment. With everything, God, with everything, thank you that you've made a way for us to be in relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you keep every single one of your promises. God, we can rest in your faithfulness because you are a good God who loves us and wants us to walk with you. So it's in your name that we pray. Amen.